Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teals of Continuing Church of God. Today, I'd like to cover the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, each and every verse. Part of our ongoing intent to cover uh, the Bible, particularly, want to make sure we cover every book of the, the New Testament. We've covered several there as well as several from the Old Testament. Before I get started, I want to go into some background from Nelson's study Bible regarding uh, Thessalonica and the, this letter. Thessalonica was one of the first cities to be evangelized by Paul and Silas uh, on the continent of Europe. So you might wonder where it is. This is a, a map, and this is, this is Greece. Thessalonica is somewhere around there, to give you an idea roughly where it is, what we're talking about during this uh, sermon. Anyway, there was a divine vision from a man in Macedonia that invited Paul to preach the gospel. And that drew Paul and Silas over there. And after preaching in Philippi, he traveled another hundred miles to Thessalonica. And Thessalonica was a port city and a commercial center. And it was an important highway, there were various ports. It was one of the wealthiest trading centers in uh, the Roman Empire. It was the largest, uh, it was the capital and largest city in the province of Macedonia. It had a population about 200,000. Because of strategic location, it became a base to spread the gospel in Macedonia and Greece. And church was planted in the geographic center would become a hub for the surrounding regions. Now here's one of the reasons I wanted to read this from the Protestants. Paul started the Thessalonian church by preaching for three Sabbath days in the Jewish synagogues. He had great success, not only among the Jews, but among the God-fearing Greeks. So that's a little bit of introduction to Thessalonians. So if you've got your Bibles, follow along, because we're going to cover uh, this. Oh, before we go further, one more picture I did want to show. This is called uh, Papyrus number 65. This is actually from around the 3rd century uh, uh, AD, and this is actually part of the book of the First Thessalonians. Uh, I don't know how well you can see it, but it's written in Greek. So we have some of uh, this particular book written in Greek uh, from the 3rd century. Some people have claimed the New Testament was not written in Greek, but that's simply not the case. As far as uh, additional proof of that, uh, we have a, a book called Who Gave the World the Bible? And on the front cover, we have even an older papyrus. This is from the late 1st, early 2nd century. Uh, this is a section from Apostle John. But anyway, Thessalonians also in Greek. And the part I just held up from Apostle John was in uh, Greek as well. All right, let's start. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God. Instead of calling it the church of God, it's the church of Thessalonians in God, similar. The Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, 
For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They were following Jesus. They were following a way of life. Now, interestingly, he also mentioned that it's not just the Word, but also the Holy Spirit. That's one thing that's different about the continuing Church of God than other groups uh, who have similar doctrines. What do you mean? We have manifestations of God's Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 17 18 said that there would be uh, dreams and prophecies in the end times. And we've had more confirmed dreams and prophecies in continuing Church of God than, to the best of my knowledge, all the other groups who call themselves Church of God who are uh, currently present, who exist. That should be helpful. God, uh, Paul told the Thessalonians, look, it wasn't just the word, you saw the signs from the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he continues, And you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. We're supposed to be examples of God's way of life. For from your word the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. So, as uh, commentary was saying, the Delson Study Bible saying before, it was kind of a hub, like a headquarters. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So these are talking not just about original God-fearers and Jews, but pagans, Greek pagans, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, I do want to make a couple of comments here. One about this idea of uh, the, the wrath to come. And that is, some people have erroneously taught that this is why Christians would be raptured up into heaven prior to the time of the Great Tribulation. But that's not talking about that wrath. This is talking about uh, uh, the second death. This is not talking about dying or not having anything bad happen. Jesus and various writers in the New Testament foretold persecution, and the struggles that the Thessalonians were going through at times were, were persecuting uh, troubles. And so that's not what God means by the wrath of God, which would be the second death. And notice in verse uh, 10 it says, to wait for his son from heaven. Okay? It doesn't say we're going to heaven, but his son Jesus is going to come down from heaven. And that's what it's talking about, even Jesus who delivers us. Now let's go into uh, uh, chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that are coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold, our God, to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So we see that there were, there were problems uh, that they experienced uh, with, uh, with Philippi. We'll get, we'll get to that 
as well. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. That's uncleanness. Uh, the Greeks were supposed to be unclean. Christians aren't either, yet uh, most who profess Christ don't care about biblical cleanliness in terms of uh, see what they eat. Verse 4. But we, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of, for covetousness. For God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from other men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for your, you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we may not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly, blamelessly, we, had, we behaved ourselves among the, you who believe, as you yourselves know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now we have information to help you in that direction. We have, for example, a free booklet uh, called uh, Christians Ambassadors to the Kingdom of God, which is available at the www.ccog.org website. That's an abbreviation for Continuing Church of God, so ccog.org. Go on the literature tab on the top under books and booklets, and this will show up, teach you, help you uh, with how to be, live as a Christian. In terms of the gospel, as I'm going to here, we have a book in English, which has been translated into over 100 different languages, on the gospel of the kingdom of God. Any literature that I hold up here is available at the ccog.org website, but particularly in various languages. If you go to the home page of ccog.org and go further down, you'll see uh, different over 100 languages, I think 106 or 7 languages are listed there. We're working on uh, putting more there also. All right, getting back to First uh, Thessalonians. This time we'll pick it up in uh, chapter two. Chapter two, we'll pick up verse thirteen. For this reason, we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The Word of God is truth. I held up a book before. Again, this one's also available at ccg.org. So you can know what the Word of God is, what the right books are. I saw something a day or two ago 
Yeah, it was from Biblical Archaeology Society trying to say, like, what books didn't make the cut or whatever. And they've got it all wrong. The true church knew the books of the New Testament uh, from the time of the Apostle John, by the time he died. But scholars of this world don't understand that. They don't believe it. Because they've overlooked certain things. They've, they've misidentified who the two Christians are in the end time. This particular uh, free book will help you with that. If you have any questions about the Bible, what language it was, the Old Testament Apocrypha, the so-called Lost Gospels, uh, English translations, uh, uh, etc. Verse 14, For you, brethren, you Gentile brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. How can you be an imitator of the churches of God in Judea in Christ Jesus if you weren't doing the same kinds of things they were doing? Which, by the way, included uh, keeping the Sabbath, uh, the holy days, avoiding unclean meats, etc. Furthermore, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. So they were being persecuted. So they were not free from all wrath to come. They had persecution. Who killed both the Lord Jesus Christ and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Now here's part of what people to think about as well. Of course all of it. But notice this. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved so as to always to fulfill up the measure of their own sins. But the wrath has come upon them to the, to the uttermost. Why did I say I wanted to emphasize that? Notice, they were, the, the Jewish religious leaders wanted to forbid Paul and the other Christians from preaching to the Gentiles. So they didn't care if they were saved. They didn't think they should bother with it, even though the Jews sometimes would do something like that themselves. We, the continuing church of God, are criticized because we reach Gentiles. We reach them uh, in different parts of the world, but particularly many in Africa. And people are saying, well, they don't count. They may not say it quite that way, but that's how they think. But that's simply uh, not the reality. The reality is that we're supposed to reach Gentiles. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Something else the Apostle Paul wrote to tie this in here. I thought I'd written this scripture down from my notes, but I guess all I did is I referenced the page. So let me read this. This is from the Apostle Paul. Romans 11, verse 25. I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. That's something in the continuing church of God we are working to support. It's supposed to happen by the time Jesus returns. Somebody should be doing that. But we've been criticized because we've done more, more effectively in certain parts of Africa than others. Now, it isn't that 
others are against reaching anybody in Africa, but they think it's wrong to disproportionately reach them, which is what we've done, or they think it's odd. But I don't believe the Apostle Paul would agree with them. Verse 17, But we, brethren, have, have, taken, have been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as coming? For you are our glory and joy. Now, our hope is real. The hope the Apostle Paul had is real. And the hope you should have is real. Now let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning the faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we're appointed to this. So let's go and read something else that Paul wrote related to that. This time, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to start in verse 11. Book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Talking about church structure. It says, And he, that's Jesus, himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And Timothy seemed to be a prophetic evangelist. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, through the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Yes, we speak the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the body, for the edifying itself in love. That's the purpose, part of the purpose of the ministry, is to provide comfort, provide information, so we can uh, develop more love, and be faithful to the truth. Now, continuing here, verse 4, For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And Christians are going to have tribulation, so we're not saved from uh, all wrath, However, the Bible does say, and I'm not going to go through that in this particular sermon, that the Philadelphian Christians can be saved from the Great, great Tribulation. Uh, those who are counted worthy to escape. It doesn't mean we will not have tests and trials or tribulations prior to that in this age. And indeed, persecutions are going to come 
prior to the time of the Great Tribulation. You can read that in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 11, verses 29 through 36, or 7. Verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians 3. For this reason, when I can no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, brought us good news of your faith and love. So they've understood that they should have faith and love. Hopefully you understand that as well. And that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all of our affliction and distress, and I know many of us are going through affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. Jesus will never leave or forsake us if we won't leave him. Verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God? Verse 10 night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your faith and perfect what is lacking in your faith. As far as prayer goes, we have a booklet on that. Uh, I showed this particular one a a few moments ago uh, regarding... Hold on. This particular one a few moments ago regarding living as a Christian. But we also have additional ones, such as one on prayer. And, I should grab it down here as well. See if I can put my fingers on it. I'm not letting it run into it. We also have one on faith. Oh, here it is. Faith for those God has called and chosen. Again, all these uh, books and booklets are available at the ccfg.org website. Now let's pick us up in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Hopefully you abound in love toward other brethren. Including comments you might make to them in person, the telephone, or the internet, or whatever. Verse 13. So you may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and all his saints. We're supposed to abound in love. You know, one of the things we do teach in the Church of God are uh, the Ten Commandments, which various ones have uh, tried to get around. I'll hold this particular booklet up as well. And people don't fully understand that the purpose of the commandment is love what the Bible teaches, what the Apostle Paul taught. If you understand the Ten Commandments, you live them, you better understand how they show love toward God and toward your neighbor. It's also good for yourself. All right, now we're going to go to uh, chapter 4. 
of First Thessalonians. As I say, it's my intent to cover uh, both these books today. See how long it takes. It might be a longer or shorter than usual sermon. Chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. Notice, he's exhorting them. He's encouraging them like a parent. The word of God is to encourage us as well. For you know, verse 2, what commandment we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Now that's a big problem these days, it's getting worse and worse. A big issue. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Well, the world doesn't think that's even possible. But Paul says in verse 5, well, after he's talking about self-control, then he says, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And there are people who profess Christ who think all types of uh, sexual aberration and immorality and lust is just fine. That's just the way it goes. They don't know God. Even if they call themselves a pastor or a bishop or whatever they may call themselves. We don't want to be deceived by the mass media who makes it sound like Various sexual things are all the same. That God did not make people male and female, etc., etc. Verse 6. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. We forewarned you, just as we forewarned you and testified. Again, we're forewarning that what the world is doing on their immorality and their gender issues and all this kind of stuff are wrong. It doesn't matter. It's sad, actually. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It's sad that they're teaching this stuff now in, uh, in the state of California to kindergarten children, uh, elementary school children, middle school children, high school children, etc. They're trying to get them used to this stuff and think this stuff is not an aberration, but it is. Verse. Seven. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Now he's referring this time to sexual matters. And the Bible's very clear. Sexual relations are only supposed to be between a husband and wife. That's it, which is a man and a woman. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has given us His Holy Spirit. We are in a world today that they don't want us to quote some of these passages in the Bible. They don't want to think they're relevant. It's astounding that you've got nations such as, let's say, the United Kingdom and Canada. There's two that come to mind, and I think similar for Australia and New Zealand, who officially have something to do with... Uh, Christianity and their founding documents. But you can get in trouble for quoting parts of the Bible that are against their view, current views now of sexual morality, even though those were the views people held for centuries. And they're also in the Bible. Okay, now going back to verse 9. 
But concerning brotherly love, you have no need I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Well, I do think sometimes there is a need in this age to warn people about what they write on the Internet. You know, there's an expression, when possible, be kind. And according to somebody who came up with this expression, it's always possible. Well, it might not always be possible to be kind, but almost always is is to be kinder. You're pretty close to always that you should be able to be kind. In verse uh, 10, And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are all of Macedonia. So they probably weren't writing to Macedonia and saying, you people are wrong, you're wrong about this, you're wrong about that, you're wrong about that. That doesn't mean people shouldn't defend the true faith. It indicates that they had a positive relationship with other Christian uh, congregations, therefore other Christian brethren. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you aspire to lead a quiet life and to mind your own business. And sometimes there are problems people who think that they should be involved in other people's business. I've had to be involved from various ones who have various opinions about other people, what they should be doing or not doing. Sometimes they don't know the full picture, but often they think they understand Scripture and they misinterpreted Scripture. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So yes, uh, the Apostle Paul felt that people who could work should work. Verse 12, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and you may lack nothing. So he's saying you should be a right example for those in the world to be working. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The hope has to do with uh, salvation. And we'll get to that in First Thessalonians 5, verse 8. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So those who have died in Christ, God will call up. And should you die before Jesus returns, if you're in Christ, God will raise you up as well. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel with the sound of a trumpet. A trumpet with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Yes, the Thessalonians were going through tests and trials. Yes, they had all kinds of issues. But Paul says we've got real hope. We have the true hope of the resurrection. When Jesus Christ returns to establish the kingdom of God on this earth, he will resurrect all his saints, hopefully including you. And says, comfort one another with these words. One of the things as Christians we should do with, for others is to comfort other Christians with words from the Bible. Something that uh, we all should do. I 
blog. Somebody I did that with yesterday or today or the day before, a couple times this week, I guess. All right, now let's go to the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians 5. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. When they say to you, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Yes, people are going to be deceived. There will be declarations of false peace. There will be a temporal peace deal associated with uh, uh, Daniel 9.27. I also suspect that just before the coming destruction of the United States and its uh, British descended allies, there'll be all kinds of declarations of peace and safety. Then sudden destruction will come. Sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. You know, some have acted like, you know, what we can never know. But Paul's saying, no, we can. As far as when Jesus is going to come, by the way, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. There are rapturists who believe that uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 happens before Jesus returns. Before uh, it happens, they actually have Jesus coming back a couple of times. And they actually say that this happens before the tribulation. But if you go to Matthew 24, let's pick this up starting in verse 29. It says, these are Jesus' words, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the sound of a great, a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. It's just what we were talking about in First Thessalonians 4, yet many Protestants, evangelical types, misunderstand and think this is supposed to happen before the tribulation where Jesus clearly absolutely said that's not when it's going to be. Verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch. Let's go to Mark 13. There was somebody that I was, uh, that my wife and I met, it was a, a couple who had been part of the old Worldwide Church of God, and didn't think you were supposed to watch signs, etc. Even though Paul just said to do so. Jesus' words in Mark 13, uh, verse 9, says, Watch out for yourselves. And he starts to go through various signs. Oh, he starts actually in verse 5 to go through various signs. Talks about when there's going to be tribulation, etc. Talks about what's going to happen after tribulation. Uh, verse 26, you'll see the Son of Man coming. So similar to what we saw recorded in Matthew 24. And going down to verse 33, Jesus said, Take heed and watch and pray, for you do not know what the time is. It's like a man going to the far country, left his house, gave authority to his servants to teach to each his work, and commanded the doorkeepers to watch. Watch therefore, if you do not know when the master's house is coming, in the evening or at midnight, the crowing 
the rooster or in the morning, lest I come suddenly and find you sleeping. He finds you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to you all, watch. So Jesus said to watch. And Paul says, if you're watching, you're going to know the seasons. You're not going to be like those in the world. Getting to the world. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. I will let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love. And the helmet, the hope of salvation. So faith, love, and hope. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Again, I mentioned before, this is something that the uh, rapturists like to say, pre-tribulation rapturists like to say, but that's simply not what the scripture teaches. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got a contrast, the wrath having to do not only with the destruction that's going to happen during the day of the Lord, but also, also have to do with the second death. But to, uh, to the contrast uh, between the wrath and getting salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. Repeatedly, Paul is praising the Thessalonians for comforting one another. Are you a comforter? Are you a comforter to the brethren? You should be. Comfort one another when you communicate. Verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. We need to be peace among ourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, including uh, church leadership. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Different people need different things at different times. You know, there's an old joke when you point your finger at somebody, you're pointing three back at yourselves. People tend to justify in their heads their own behavior. They have a study about people doing, uh, making traffic violations. Sometimes people will cut over, do various things, and they know why they did it. But when somebody else does it, they think, oh, this person's horrible, they're inconsiderate. And maybe they are, but maybe it's, Maybe they're just like you, and there was some real reason they felt that they had to do that. Similarly, there are people who are convinced that they know about other people's behaviors or whatever, and they're simply not correct. And some people need more time, and some people we're working with in different ways. Verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. I held up our prayer book up before. It's a good time to mention that again. Prayer, what does the Bible teach? Available at ccog.org. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that you give thanks for all. God is working with you. None of us appreciate how intricate God's plan is and how God knows what's going on with us and how 
He will have all things work together for good for us if we will love Him and endure to the end. Verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Uh, the Laodiceans, by the way, my view, are quenching the Spirit, and they do despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. They don't test all things. They say, well, because I won't mention three people who come to immediate mind, false prophets within the Church of God, they think it's easier to say all prophets could be are false. God couldn't be using any in the last days, even though it says in uh, Acts uh, 2 that he will. Well, let me actually read that. Let's go, I was debating if I should do that. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and read what Peter wrote or said. Acts 2, verses 17 and 18. Peter says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And in the continuing church of God, we've had both uh, males and females receive dreams from God that were confirmed. But people feel it's better to uh, dis discount everything. That's pretty lukewarm, pretty Laodicean. And you should be testing all things, it says in the New King James, or proving all things, it says in the Old King James. Hold fast what is good. It's not good to think, no, God doesn't use dreams, or dreams aren't important. Uh, which I had somebody tell me, a fairly well-known Church of God person. It's like, but God says you're going to have them in the end times. Verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil, such as discounting how God communicates. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is a lot closer than when Paul wrote this. He who calls you is faithful. He will also do it. Brethren, pray for us. Yeah, brethren, please pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle to be read to all the holy brethren. And it's God who makes us holy. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So we see that the Thessalonians were imitators of the Church of God in Church of God in Judea. They went through persecution. God uh, knew what's going on with them. Paul wrote that they should be comforted for the fact that they will be resurrected, that Jesus will return. They should be comforted. They should pray, hold fast. They should love. And we need to do that as well. All right, now let's go to uh, 2 Thessalonians. It's time. It's a, it's a shorter book. Start with verse 1. Same people here. Paul, Savannah, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. How does, how does faith grow? 
You don't have to go there, but Romans 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Verse 4, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and in all your persecutions and tribulations which you endure. I know, brethren, many of us are enduring various types of tribulations and persecutions. It's not new. The Thessalonians are having things as well. Verse 5 which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And I held up that book before, for, for those who want to know more about it. The good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. For which you also suffer. So yes, you are suffering for the kingdom of God. You'll have an important part in the kingdom of God. You endure Since it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Sometimes it seems like, how, how long? Verse 7. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So yes, we know when uh, by the time Jesus returns, uh, we'll have comfort. Returns as mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who did not know God, even though they claim to, and on those who did not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes. In that day to be glorified in His saints, to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. What is that? Well, some of that is talking about the fact that the Thessalonians believed and they lived it. That living testimony also encouraged others to believe as well. Verse 11, Therefore we also pray for you always that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill your good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. As far as calling, we have a book, booklet, Is God Calling You? And even if you're certain that he is, this is still a booklet that we recommend that you read and study. It's biblically based. Now, as far as for those who are not being called now, God has a plan. It's different than what the Greco-Roman Protestants teach, even though it's laid out in his word. And we have this free book, Universal Offer of Salvation, talks about those who are not called now. talks about what happens to those after the second resurrection and what type of wrath will be on those who will not accept God's plan. I think I've been through verse 12 that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of our Lord Jesus, God Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to make sure I cover every, every verse. Now, 2 Thessalonians 2 is a fairly prophetic chapter. 
So start with verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us. Uh, he's warning people about what Serapion of Antioch called pseudepigrapha. That's where people say Paul wrote something or somebody wrote something who really didn't. Now, in the end times, you're going to see deep fakes come from technology to make it sound like people in the continuing Church of God said certain things that they didn't say. Oh, you watch it? You could watch it? It'll look real. You'll be convinced. But don't be soon shaken. Paul was worried that the people would be affected then. They didn't have the technology they have now. If they had the technology then that we have now, they could have the Apostle Paul uh, blaspheming Jesus, going against everything that he taught, telling you everything he taught was wrong, uh, showing him violate various commandments and do all kinds of things that he wouldn't have done. So we're going to see worse than just the pseudepigrapha, you know, claiming, let's say, that I wrote something or said something or uh, Evans Oshing or whatever said or did something. They're going to have the possibility with technology to, to really make it look like We've said things or done things. Don't be soon shaken. Whether by word or letter from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. In the, in the world, they're working on these means. Be careful about rumors. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes. First, and a man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. In terms of falling away, uh, the position of the Church of God, including people like uh, John, o, the late evangelist John O'Gwen, was falling away had to do with falling away from, from the truth. Some have uh, disputed that. Uh, one of the reasons I left my prior organization is they said they were going to define themselves by a new falling away doctrine. So this will distinguish them from all the other churches of God and that the falling away was not from the truth but from Greco-Roman Protestantism. Which, from uh, my perspective, from a biblical perspective, and I, and I will go so far as to say from God's perspective, is certainly not, not right. I'm looking for two books I want to hold up here. As far as Protestantism and what they believe or don't believe in terms of the truth, they've already fallen away from the truth. They, they claim sola scriptura, but they've accepted enough, enough traditions of men uh, in terms of doctrine that, uh, that you, they've already fallen away from the truth. And, but it is true that many are falling further and further away as they accept weird notions about uh, uh, sexuality and other perversions. And in terms of the, the Greco-Romans, a lot of people do not understand what the beliefs of the original Catholic Church were. And we're doing a, a sermon series on this, and we've done a sermon series on this, but both of these books are available uh, online at ccg.org. This one uh, has actually been fully printed. This one is in, in draft form, but there's enough information there you can determine that no, falling away from these faiths is not falling away from the truth. If you believe that the Word of God is truth, and Jesus said in John 17, 17, that the Word of God is truth. 
far as uh, uh, the uh, what the old uh, worldwide church of God taught, Herbert Armstrong said it was related to the church. He says, uh, this is from a radio broadcast he did, End Time Falling Away. Here's what his words. Men, to turn away from the truth. Paul wanted to meet with the leaders of the church. What church? The church of God. And know after my departing, grievous wolves will uh, come among you, not sparing the flock. And also, of your own selves, men will arrive, speaking perverse things, draw disciples after each other. Therefore, watch and remember, space of three years, I ceased not to warn everybody, day and night, with tears. From Acts. See what the prophecy was falling away, departing from the truth. That's what Herdorm's song said. And then go to 2 Corinthians 11th chapter. Talks about that as well. Now, in his 1978 book, The Incredible Human Potential, Herbert Armstrong taught the falling away was related to those who were actually part of the Church of God in pages 161 and 162. He said, to the Thessalonians, he wrote, the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, mystery of iniquity does already work, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. It's a religion of iniquity, a religion rejecting the law of God. Few, even among professing converted Christians, realize the vital and supreme need to be conscious and constantly aware of Satan's effort to, to get us to already turn from Satan's way and to the way of the government of God. For this very reason, Satan has gotten to and overthrown many who have fallen away. This is a, there's a reason God allows those predestined to be called now to have to withstand Satan and his rebellion against the government of God. It is necessary in order for us to qualify to be rulers under Christ in the kingdom of God, that we not only reject Satan's false way, but strive against it until we overcome, relying on all the while the power of God to do so. And he was referring to the church of God, verse 3, 2 Thessalonians, and the law of God, uh, verse 7. There was a, he had a lengthy discussion in a co-worker letter in 1974 about the falling away. He talks about wrong doctrines. And he said, uh, said the church grew and multiplied, but false preachers came into the church of God preaching a different gospel. They said to people, Peter and Paul won't admit that they're preaching erroneous doctrines. Look how they're falling away from them. Come over with us. Yes, brethren, thousands did. Their ultimate destruction, lake of fire. Prophecy says the end will not come until there's a falling away first. It pertains to our time. Got to understand the purpose God puts in this church now, the way of contributing and giving. Those who prove disloyal will drop out of the work. The only person which you're now called will find themselves in the positions of those uh, who can lose salvation. Make your calling and election sure. Brethren, could be God's true church, could such things just falling away happen to us? This did happen in the true church in the very first century. Much of the New Testament mourning for God's people are these snares of Satan to destroy the work of God are related to those who are being called now. Co-worker letter 1952, Herbert Armstrong wrote, Before his second coming, just before the end of this world, 
The very same gospel he brought from God, he, Jesus, taught his disciples to be preached in all the world, all the nations witnessed. Before this, the great, and then he cites Matthew 24, 4 and 5, and 2 Thessalonians 2, 2 to 3. The great deception falling away from the truth will have come, or has come. And in his Pastor General's report in 1979, he wrote, Surely Satan is now endeavoring to scatter and even totally nullify the power God has given his church. There has been a falling away, though compared to the total number, it's been minimal. So Herbert Armstrong clearly tied the falling away into the church. He also did so in a radio, in a, in a sermon, January 31st, 1976. It says 2 Thessalonians 2 2, day of Christ is at hand. Second letter Paul wrote, falling away speaks of 2 Corinthians 2 2 3. Let no man deceive you by any means that they shall not come unless there is a falling away. Herbert Armstrong said in the sermon, the reason I'm quoting Herbert Armstrong is um, my prior uh, association said that he didn't teach this. But this is what he said. Now this falling away comes in the Greek term apostasia. <clears throat> in other words, apostasy and apostatizing. In other words, turning away from the truth to error and false teaching. It's a dereliction of essential truth or corruption of truth and correct doctrine. That's what it says here had to come first. <clears throat> well, Paul had written a letter to them, and the second letter to Thessalonians was written later the same year, within the same year, less than a year later than the first. Apparently, a messenger had come from Thessalonica and told them these brethren thought others were spreading the gospel. They had some new teaching that was to come to the church now, and they purported it came from the Apostle Paul. And the day of Christ is at hand, and it was supposed to just come right away. And of course, he's saying that no, that was not the case, and that he fallen away uh, would would come. Now, getting back to Second Thessalonians chapter two, he's talking about uh, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God's worship. So he sits in the temple of God, showing that he is God. Now, who's that? We can read about that person in Daniel chapter 11. Very uh, clear, in my opinion. Daniel chapter 11, starting in verse 36, about the final king of the north. So that king will, will do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself against above all, every god, speak blasphemies against the god of gods. So he's above everyone, which is what this son of perdition is here. Shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what uh, has been determined shall be done. He will regard neither the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god. He shall exalt himself above them all. But in his place is going to honor the God of fortunes, the God his fathers did not uh, know he'll honor with uh, gold and silver. Then he goes against the strongest fortresses, which is, uh, by the way, the United States, and destroy them. So we're seeing that's tied in with the son of perdition here that Paul's warning about. And many in the Church of God do not understand that identity either. And you say, well, you've just been quoting Herbert Armstrong. Didn't he teach it differently? I consulted with his aide, Aaron Dean, about this, and Aaron said that uh, Herbert Armstrong basically heard something in the 50s, didn't go back and relook at it, uh, and Aaron Dean believes that if he would have looked at it, he would come up to the same position we in the Continuing Church of God hold. And Aaron Dean, although he's not in the Continuing Church of God at this time, also holds our position on this subject. And he believes Herbert Armstrong would have, he would have gotten to studying it in more depth. Right. 
Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining and what may be revealed his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who now restrains will do so till he's taken out of the way. But that's a mistranslation. It doesn't really say he is taken out of the way. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of this now, but I just uh, videoed a sermonette on this particular topic to identify who I believe the restrainer is, which I will speculate in, in this uh, sermon as well. For various reasons, I believe this is uh, related to uh, Michael the Archangel, and I intend to have a link where we put uh, this up, uh, at least at Cogwriter, and uh, perhaps at YouTube, and perhaps other places. So you can read that article as well. So I'm not going to spend uh, another 20 minutes or so going into this particular part. But uh, let me also just add, I believe the rapturists are wrong. They have, say it has to do with the Holy Spirit and that kind of stuff. Anyway, getting back into this, verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. Then the coming of the lawless ones, according to the work of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Oh yeah, there's going to be miraculous signs from the false prophet. Uh, the, the beast power will probably do, be able to do some as well, according to some other scriptures. This will happen, but he's going to be accompanied by signs and, and wonders. And people are not going to heed what the Apostle Paul said, that Christians are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. They're going to see it with their own eyes. Say, so that's what we should believe. Verse 11, And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Hopefully you don't have pleasure in unrighteousness. Hopefully you believe the truth and you live by the truth. Those who don't love the truth will not hold on to it. It's not just a bunch of rules. It's a better way of life. God's way of life. God knows best. Verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth to which He called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to the truth. God's word is truth. We are to believe the word of God. People like to walk by sight, not by faith. People like to think certain big buildings are proof of something. Or spending a lot of money to do something is proof of something. It may be proof of something, but it may not be a proof of what people think. When people see miraculous signs and wonders, they think it must be from God. But no, the Bible repeatedly warns us about these things. I'm not going to go and read it now, but you can read Revelation chapter 13, uh, verses uh, 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 13 through 18, talking about various signs that are going to happen. They're going to be persuasive. And Paul warned about this in Thessalonians. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by our word or by our epistle. Now these traditions are consistent with Scripture, not opposed to it. Some think that this means that 
you can accept traditions that are in conflict with the Bible. That's not, that's not the case. Let's go to Matthew chapter... Uh, well, well, I won't go there. Matthew 13, you hear about the parable of the sower. And in verse 19, Jesus talks about, says, when one hears the word and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away from his heart. This is uh, he who's received... This is a seed that was received by the, that was hit on the wayside. And that happens now. There are people who will say all kinds of bad things about us, particularly on the internet. Um, I find two types of uh, deceivers about the uh, continuing church of God on the internet. There are, are Satan's deceivers who are trying to snatch it away so it doesn't take hold. They say all kinds of bad things about us, etc. Then there are Laodicean ministers who say deceptive things about us um, because they believe for whatever reason various things that they're telling people often it's false often it's based on false information but they keep passing it on people need to believe the word of God and not discount how God works but sadly the Laodiceans do now I think many who are still within Laodicean organizations are going to eventually come with us. And hopefully they'll, as they have more of a love of the truth, uh, this will be confirmed for them. And they can prove all things and hold fast what is good. Verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who loved us has given us everlasting consolation and good hope and grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now we're going to go to uh, chapter uh, 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us. He's keep, he said that in First Thessalonians as well. And I will ask you all to continue to pray for us as well. That the word of God may run swiftly. Well, sadly, in this past couple of years, I've seen YouTube, uh, Google, uh, and Vimeo slow that down. This past week, a couple of times, I did some searches for some things and noticed that Cogwriter page comes up first on DuckDuckGo. And I'm not trying to advocate that as opposed to something else necessarily. But not on Google. Because why? They're doing something called shadow banning. They're slowing down people's ability to get just information, find out about what we teach. Pray for us that the word of God may run swiftly. And perhaps people at Google will change their algorithms. Or perhaps people will use other search engines and find the truth. Just as with you, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. It's one of the reasons they write things about us that are not true. Over and over again. It is astounding to me how often they write that Everybody in the Church of God is in it for the money. All the ministry is in it for the money, and I'm in it for the money. And I think most of you watching this realize that neither my wife nor I take a salary from the Continuing Church of God, didn't take one from the Global Church of God or the Living Church of God either. We are tithe payers. Uh, we do not get our wages or income from uh, the church. They say that. If they got that wrong, they get a lot of other things wrong. They bear false witness and say that I'm a liar when they 
they say that my lie is telling the truth about some things that happened with me in an ordination. It's astounding. But people want to believe a lie, and Satan is out there trying to get those who start to have some interest in the truth to be them like the seed that goes on the wayside. So do we give up? No, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful and will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Jesus has promises for his people, particularly the Philadelphians, keep them from the hour of trial that's going to come on the earth to try the whole world. Uh, Revelation 3, uh, 7 through 10. Verse 4, And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you such as being kind to one another, expressing love to one another. Verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And sometimes we have to be patient with one another. Some uh, are not as uh, patient or controlling their words as, as they should be, or their thoughts or their attitudes. It's all about love. Philadelphia, by the way, means love the brethren. Verse 6, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which you received from us. Yes, you should accept a church governance. And let's talk about withdrawing. I withdrew from my prior association. Yet a bunch of liars recently said that I was kicked out, booted out. They keep saying trash like that, which is not true. I withdrew when they told me that it, they were not going to correct error that they told me that they had. They would continue to treat error. Well, uh, Jeremiah said, curses he who does the work of God deceitfully, so I could not be there. I withdrew. It's consistent with what the Apostle Paul wrote. Verse 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anybody's bread free of charge, but we worked with our labor and toiled night and day. We might not be a burden on any of you. That's what my wife and I do. And because we don't take a salary from the church, there's more funds to help the poor, the hungry, in places like uh, Africa. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example how you should follow us. Should be able to be givers and not just takers. For even when we were with you, we commanded you, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We are supposed to work, to be productive. That is good. I've got one more book that I wasn't planning on holding up, but now that I think about it, I talk about work and why work. Part of the mystery of God's plan. God made you, so if you listen to him, to go through your tests and trials through this life so you'll be able to give love in a unique way to make eternity better for yourself and everyone else. And work is part of that. And this book, like a book like all the others I've held up are at ccsg.org. Verse 11, For we hear that there are some walk around you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. So you're supposed to be productive. Verse 12, Now those 
who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You're not supposed to be mooching off of others if you can work. And though I realize that sometimes somebody will lose their job or there's various crises, there were supply disruptions in places of Africa and in even the United States because of COVID rules. But if you can work and produce, that's what you're supposed to do. Verse 13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. There are many people in various churches of God say there's no point in helping people, for example, in Africa. They're always poor. Just pouring money into a hole. We're supposed to do not be worried of doing good. We, and we don't send all of our money to Africa, but we do send a fair amount of it there. We spend money uh, producing booklets, uh, reaching people on the internet. We've reached hundreds of millions of people through our uh, Google campaigns. We've reached millions through our videos, uh, etc. But uh, we're not supposed to do, grow weary in doing good. Verse 14, And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and don't keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. But don't treat him like an enemy, or kind of an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We're not supposed to be, treat Christians as enemies, including the Laodiceans, by the way. Verse 16, Now may the Lord of peace, yes, Jesus is the Lord of peace, peace himself give you peace always in every way including going through tests and trials and tribulations. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is signed, very epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ may be with you all. Amen. So, Thessalonians, Paul is writing people, telling them prophetic things, to give them hope, but tell them also, yes, you've got tests and trials, but be productive. God has a plan for you. Pray. Pray for others. Comfort others. Pray for the ministry. Support the gospel. And he uh, credits them for supporting the gospel. And those are just parts of what we've gone through from this book, from First and Second Thessalonians. Again, it's our intent to try to eventually cover all the books of the New Testament and even more of the Old Testament than we've already covered. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.